Listen, I've got, I'm super excited about this topic that we're on tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Also, if you ever look at my handwriting, it is the most pathetic thing ever. So like it is, it is sad. It is so sad. So I actually need a stool so I can make sure that I can look at it good enough to, to see the talking points that I believe we need to look at tonight. I actually <clears throat> was supposed to be doing this last Wednesday. And of course the, the weather did not go the way that we wanted it to. And so we, we did cancel. I don't think it actually stormed until about 1am, but <clears throat> we played it safe. And, and so we weren't here, but I've had kind of two weeks to consider what we're going to talk about tonight. And so I, I'm, I'm always find it a privilege to be here. I am so thankful for you guys. I prayed for you before you got here. You know, there, there were years and years that we prayed for, you know, God to work through our church on the campus. You know, when a lot of times I, I used to be the youth and college pastor, you may not know that, but there were days where I would basically beg people to stay. Like I'd be like, hey. There's like three or four of you, but like church isn't about you. Please stay. Okay. Like we need you here. Don't go somewhere else. Uh, you know, the well's got plenty. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. No, we'll take that off the, take that, take that out of the thing, Kyle. Okay. Like we, we don't need that online, but really, <laughs> but we, we really did pray about you for like a long time. And then now you're here and I'm so glad to know so many of you. And there, there's probably, I would say half of you I mean have, have given a, you have made an effort to connect with me and to my family personally, and we're better for that. And, and I just want you to know we're always glad to have you as part of our faith family here at ABC. I also think <clears throat> this is such a special time in your life that I feel like it's such a privilege to get to sit before you or stand before you and to, I believe, by the power of the Lord, equip you for the work of ministry. And so to me, it's just, it's so fun to get to be here tonight. And so the topic that I was given was developing a missional strategy. Now, I've, I mean, I just feel sometimes like I have a wedgie when I'm given, when I'm given too much of a, uh, when I'm given too much of a, of a thing, developing a missional strategy. I, to me, that is just, it could imply so much. And, and so I, I trust Kyle and, and his, his leadership. He works really hard. He works really hard to disciple you. And so I want to certainly honor the direction that, or the message that he's given me. But what this is, when we talk about developing a missional strategy, I think it could seem, it could seem very boxy. It could put you into a little tiny box and expect you to do great things. It also could lead you, leave you in the air about 30,000 feet above the actual ground that you live on every day. And so I want to attempt to get us to ground level before we have this conversation, okay? And so when we say develop an emissional strategy, really what we're going to talk about is how to live a life of intentionality, how to, because of the power and the work of the gospel in our life, do we live differently? You know, I think if I went around, more than likely, you want to make a difference with your life. You know, I, I believe everyone wants to make a difference with their life. I certainly think if I went around and asked you questions, you want to make a difference. You want to follow Jesus. You want to obey Christ's commands. You want to live in the power of the Lord. You want to make disciples and et cetera. You want to leave out the, live out the great commandment. You want to do all of those things. But if you're honest, the question is how? 
Or maybe the question is, am I? You know, what does it look like on campus? What does it look like during this season of my life? What will it look like in the next, the, the next city that I live in or the next season that God has me in? And so that's really what we're talking about tonight. And it's a fantastic conversation. And so tonight there's going to be times where I speak at you and, and, and speak, you know, certainly speaking to myself as well, but that I speak kind of really over us. There's other times that I need us to have a conversation. And that's what's going to be awkward and hard sometimes. We're going to try it. It won't be good for our you know, podcast, but it'll be good, I think, for our time together. So I'm going to give you three points tonight. You should have them on your, on your outline that should be in the middle of your table. But we're going to look at the neighborhood. We're going to look at our gospel or our kingdom callings. And then we're going to consider our neighbors. So let me help you. If, if you've listened to me speak enough or if you've been under the ministry ministries that I lead enough, you've heard me talk about the neighborhood or my neighbors. It's pretty much every time I get a chance to talk to anyone, I'm going to talk about neighboring. So let's talk, number one, about the, the neighborhood. When we talk about the neighborhood, we're, we're working with this assumption that the world that we live in, though there are certainly many countries and continents, we're we're going to think of it less as compartmentalized parts of the world in one big fat neighborhood. That's how we're going to consider it tonight. One big neighborhood with the idea that God has called us to at the core of his work, redemptive work, to love our neighbors as Christ has loved us. And so if that's the case, then we're going to think of the world not as a bunch of different even countries and cities and whatever. We're going to think of it as just one big gigantic neighborhood. Let's talk about that neighborhood for just a minute. The things I want you to consider about it is this. We're gonna go 30,000 feet in the air. God has a heart for every neighbor. God has a heart for the whole neighborhood. God loves the whole hood, okay? That's, that's, that's how this is. He loves the entire neighborhood. What this means about him is that he is going to care about Tuscaloosa. He's gonna care about East Asia. He's going to care about Gordo and Mississippi and other parts of the world. He cares about every single bit of it. Here's the problem. You don't. Okay. I mean, you don't, and you can't like in general, maybe you can make yourself, you know, we can sing songs, you know, God loves the whole world. I love the whole world. You can have whatever, but the reality is, and we have to face it for us to grow you cannot possibly love the entire world. You can't know it. You're not going to be able to, with your brain, identify with it. You just are not. You're going to be a teeny tiny part of this world that you actually care about enough to know people's names, know people's stories, and interact in your actual life, your particular life that you have, okay? But God cares about the whole thing. And so we're going to work with this truth. God cares about every single neighbor. Here's the other truth about the neighborhood is that the global mission of Christ is for the entire neighborhood. Like he calls us into it all. And so the mission of Christ is not just for Tuscaloosa. It's for the entire globe. And so when we talk about the redemptive work of Jesus, the power of the gospel, the mission of Christ, we're talking about something much bigger than what you and I will actually within our own individual lives interact with, okay? So there's a huge globe that you're only gonna care about this much of it, but it's important what you care about. And there's a global mission of making disciples of all nations. 
that you're going to be about, but you're really only going to be a part of that mission in a few places. Maybe even one or two places. It's going to be a, a small percentage of the world that you actually engage in. But God's mission is for the whole world, and his good news is extended to all people. Okay? That's his heart. <clears throat> We're still on the big neighborhood right now. Within that conversation, before we get down to our little individual lives, the longer that I live, okay, and right now I'm super, I'm still super young, relatively, I'll be 37 next month, okay? The longer that I live, the more that I see the world, I mean, the, sorry, the more that I consider time, less in minutes and hours and days and weeks and years, and I see it more in seasons, now, the other certainly exists, and you know that well. But I think the Lord works in our lives oftentimes through particular seasons that we're in. When I'm talking about the big neighborhood, and I'm talking about the general call of Christ and the work that goes to all nations, I do think it's important for us, before we get you know, too narrow in our conversation, for me to speak to you about the season of life that you are in. You're in a very unique season. And I'm not saying that all of you are in the exact same season just because you're at the same university. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But you are in similar seasons of life. And because of that, I want to draw you to think big. And I want you to think broad. And I also want you to hear the call of Christ on your life. And this is why. Because some of you are in a place of freedom in decision making. You may not think you are, but you are. You have the ability and you're going to have opportunities and you're going to have certain, you know, time periods where you can move and go places that you will not be able to move and go to as easily in other parts of your life. Okay, now I'll, I'll explain what I mean. When I was... 21, 22, 23, when I first got married, Catherine and I got married, I was 22. Okay. Even that first year or two or three, I had so much like freedom and desire to travel the world and be so many different places. There was one year I went, I went out of the country like four or five times. And, and had the ability to do that. I wanted to travel. I wanted to see the world. My heart beat so fast for, for a few, few places on the, on the globe. I cared a lot about, you know, when I thought about the mission of Christ, I, I, I had it kind of broken down and a little bit boxed in. But I, but I had it as I need to go. I want to make disciples. I want to be, you know, wherever. At 37 or almost 37, it's hard for me to even consider or desire to be gone for a weekend. It, it doesn't mean I shouldn't. It doesn't mean I can't. It doesn't mean that, that I'm, it may not be necessary at times. But I'm just going to be real with you. I, I don't like leaving my house for a weekend anymore. The desire that I have is different in this season than it was 15 years ago. And I think God works specifically in this season. Now the season that I'm in, I think of mission more in terms of the gym that I go to, the grocery store that I go to more. I think of it as my actual literal neighbors. I think of it more in terms of conversations with my father-in-law and my parents. And you know, it's just it's very different for me. It doesn't mean, once again, God's heart's for the entire globe. 
but different seasons tend to narrow our focus. We've got a couple of um, sweet ladies over here with, with some babies in the, in the womb. Their, their current season that they're in is about to change, and it will change more and more as the years go. I, I, yesterday, my oldest daughter turned 10, and it, it shocked me. Like, it threw me off, okay? She has been my best friend for years, and she is a teeny tiny little thing who I just love, and we read book series together, and we laugh, and I let her do things I probably shouldn't, and, uh, you know, check her out of school, and we go on rides, and we travel, and we do. She is, she is so cool, man. I love Lucy. I can't believe she's 10 years old. The season of life that we're in with a 10-year-old is so different than, than the season I was in 10 years ago, okay? And so my point is this. You're at a, you're at a place in your life where not that you, you may not feel like you have freedom, you may feel like you have none. I'm just telling you, there are opportunities that you have before you that the decisions that you make in the next couple of years are going to lead you, whether it's in this city, whether it's Birmingham, whether it's Hong Kong. Like you're, you are going to move somewhere and wherever you settle in, you're going to need to be able to understand God's missional, you know, God's heart for your particular area. You can move to East Asia and in East Asia, you will have a very particular life once you get there. There will still be a neighbor next to you. There'll still be a job that you do. There'll still be people down the street. Everywhere you go, no matter where you go in your seasons, you're going to have people to love. That's just, that's just the reality of it. And so my plan here tonight is, one, to encourage you to consider God's heart for the world, the urgent call of the gospel, and the opportunities that you have before you. Okay? They're going, to be, they're going to be there. With that being said, look at that last little point there under the neighborhood. We want the generalities of the gospel to be brought into the particulars of our actual world and our actual lives. There, it does no good for us to live in a dream world where we're just talking Christian language. Okay, like It, do, it doesn't do anything. What we need to do is consider you know, the actual risen Jesus has an actual plan in this world to be done through his church. And if that's the case, and we're part of his church, the season of life that we're in matters. What your life is like on campus matters. What my life's like at my home matters. It all makes a difference, and we need to consider how the gospel is calling us into the actual world we live in. I feel like for most of my adult life, I lived in generals. Like it was just a little general world of gospel truths that never actually led me to anybody's life. It didn't see much reconciliation, didn't see much peace, didn't see much transformation. And the reason why is because I lived in a world of just a few gospel facts and didn't see gospel power being used in my life. And tonight I want us to move from the general into the particular. So to do that, let's leave the big picture of the neighborhood and let's go into our kingdom callings. Like what has God called each of us to do? Like as a Christian, what's my like job description, if you will? Okay, we'll, we'll look at at least three. There's more, but these are, these are broad. We use them a good bit here at ABC. And so we'll talk about them again. The three things are a witness, a window, and a minister of reconciliation. All of those are for sure part of our kingdom callings. So I put three scriptures up on the, you know, as far as, you know, resources for our discussion tonight. But what we're looking at is I have the great commandment 
And so just for all the Bible scholars out there, what is the great commandment? Jesus, you know, is asked, what is the greatest commandment? What does he say? Yeah, love the Lord your God with basically everything that you have, all that you are. But then what does he say second to that? Second to that is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, keep in mind with the great commandment, this is so important. This is part of, this is our call to, to gospel ministry, is to, to love God with our heart and love other people as we've been loved by Christ himself. When we consider this, think about the Apostle Paul. Think about Jesus' brother James. Think about the way the Bible describes, you know, the commandment. Paul and James both, they don't even mention that we're to love God with all of our heart. They assume it. But all they say is the entire Bible is summed up in this, love your neighbor as yourself. That, that's how they describe it. James calls it the royal law. The royal law is this, love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus is talking with his disciples, it's one of the most intriguing conversations that has ever taken place. It's the night he will be arrested. John chapter 13 through 17. It's incredible. I would encourage you, if you're getting bored reading right now, you're struggling with your theological brain, and man, read those chapters. They're beautiful. But in that conversation, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, I've got a new commandment for you. And the new commandment is to what? To love one another just as I have loved you, you are to love each other. This is how you'll be known as my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And so what he says, he calls it a new commandment, not because it's actually new. It was because he explained it in a different way. It wasn't love your neighbor as yourself, though that is certainly something that we need to learn from. He says that we're to love just as we have been loved by Christ. In John chapter 15, he says, this is what I command you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And then he even describes it, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. When, when the Lord calls us into his work, he calls us to a life of loving one another just as we have been loved by Christ Jesus himself. That is a bold life of love. That is a life that we talked about. I, I was able, Kyle let me speak here you know, not that long ago on 1 Corinthians 13. Love has a definition in the scripture. Love is not something that we create the definition for. The Bible gives it to us, and it looks like patience and kindness. It looks like, it doesn't look like arrogance. It looks like us walking with one another, counting other people as more significant than ourselves, looking not only to our own interests, but to the interest of others. The Bible describes what it looks like to have the attitude of Jesus and to live a life of love. We're to love each other and any neighbor as Jesus Christ has loved us. So when we talk about, you know, kingdom callings, we have to come from, we have to look at the great commandment. We have to look at the great commission. The great commission is to, you know, as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, which once again, what has he commanded? That we love one another just as he has loved us. And he says that he'll be with us always. So we've been given a call to make disciples through loving one another just as we've been loved by Jesus as we proclaim the truth of Christ and his grace. So with that being said, we're to be a witness. A witness involves us proclaiming. It ends up we have to speak. We, we talk about what Christ has done, who he is and who we are in him. As a witness, 
not only do I do what Kyle taught you a couple of weeks ago, but is proclaim the narrative, you know, of the gospel, but also I can, I can speak into your specific life good news. So you say, man, I am alone. I feel totally by myself. I feel this, I feel that. I'm able to speak good news into your life. You're not alone. The Lord's with you. He's for you. He's never against you. And as part of God's people, not only am I a witness to the love of God in their life, but also I am a window into the love of God in their life as I come and place my hand on their shoulder. You're not alone. God is with you. He's for you. They feel that and they see that probably with that hand on their shoulder. I had Herbert Davis. He's 96 years old. Y'all may, y'all may have, I mean, I know y'all hear him on Sunday mornings. But Herbert told me one time I went and visited him. He, he was in the hospital. He was a pastor for 52 years. You may not know that. But I went and I, I visited him one night and he, he, was, he was in the hospital. I went to see him and he said, Colby, I want you to never forget this. He said, every time you come in a room like this and you come and you lay your hand on somebody and pray, it reminds them that God's with them. You know, they're, they're reminded that God is here as you are here. And I think it's so important for us when we're thinking through you know, being a witness that we consider being a window right alongside that. We're not just people who proclaim facts, though we do proclaim facts. We proclaim truth. But we're also people who are present, we're there, we're love. We express not only the words of Christ, but in the way of Christ, which is love. When I think of a window, I think about, you know, I, I used to have people say all the time, that they would say something like, you know, we are, you're, you're to go and be salt, you know, go and be light. Well, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, you are salt. You are light. Shine. <laughs> I mean, we don't, we're not, Jesus isn't asking you to go and become something all of a sudden. He's made us something. And we're to go and live in that truth. We're a witness and we're a window. If you want to look at scriptures to certainly back this up, I mean, for sure, Matthew 28, 16 to 20 is the Great Commission. But also there's text like in John 20, the Great Commission there is, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. John does stuff like that. Like he, he breaks it down so easily. Look at like Acts 1.8. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Then you will be my witnesses. It's not just in one place. There was in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It was the call for the church, the very first people that we can call church. That was the call that they were given. That was the missional strategy they were given. You're going to receive power, go and be a witness. And that's what they did. They were a witness and they were a window. But I want you to see one more place before we, <clears throat> before we move from here to the, to the main application of the night. I want you to see probably my favorite passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Oh my goodness, I have a Bible that literally has it ripped out. I'm not kidding. Can I borrow a Bible real quick? It legitimately, can I see that one right there? I don't even care what translation it is. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I didn't know that until the other day, and I, I had it. I went up to do, it was like the Lord's Supper, and I went up and I was going to read it, and it, I opened it up and it wasn't there. And I was like, well, that's, that's weird. Okay, Second, second Corinthians. Oh, I love this Bible. This is when you clarify you did not wow. tear it out. It fell out. I did not, I did not tear it out. I love it. So much. No, it's probably the most read passage in my Bible, and it, and it fell. That's why it fell out, I guess. 
Second Corinthians chapter five. Yes, we do not pick and choose what we what we keep in our Bible. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Look with me starting in verse 14 of Second Corinthians five. And this is just a one for the te- I mean for the conversation that we're to have tonight, developing a missional strategy. This is the text. If I if you said you can have one, this is the one I go with. Okay. Second Corinthians five fourteen. For Christ love compels us. The ESV says controls us. The love of Christ compels us or controls us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. He goes on, look at verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who, here we go, reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. I mean, we're his representatives in this world as though God were making his appeal to the world through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You need to understand this at this age in your Christian walk that at the very core of your calling as a Christian, you are mobilized into the world as a reconciling presence. Like that's that's literally who you are. You are a minister of reconciliation. Every Christian in the room, that is who you are. And what that means is something more than just throwing facts at people. A reconciling presence is one who not only communicates the beautiful truth of how we can be in Christ reconciled to God, but that's also a person who works in their life to bring peace and to bring reconciliation in the world that they actually live in. And so to me, a minister of reconciliation speaks a whole lot. The book of Matthew, Jesus says that we are to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers are not people who just are able to get people at your little table tonight to get along. They are people who get in the very, in the most, the deepest of unrest. And they bring about through the very power of the gospel, peace. That's the kind of life we're talking about. Yes, apologize to people in your small groups. Be at peace with people in your community circles. But it means something bigger than that. The work of Christ is bigger than just me and you believing in the gospel and finding joy. It's more than that. It's about God actually making all things brand new. It's about him removing evil and bringing about peace and joy in this world. It's about him transforming not only individual lowly bodies like our own, but it's about him transforming the entire earth. The gospel is bigger than you and me, but it involves you and me. And so when we talk about this, we must understand the amazing calling that we have. Like you get to be a witness of Christ. You get to be a window where people look through your life and see the grace and the mercy and the compassion and the work of God. You get to be a minister of reconciliation in this world. 
It's just joining Jesus in what he's already doing. It's what he's been doing. He doesn't just work here at ABC. He doesn't just work when we gather on Sunday mornings at 1030. He, work, he is at work all around us in this world, and we are to join him in that work. We're to join him. So let's talk about the particulars. So all that we've said so far, we're about to bring home. Okay, We're going to go from the 30,000-foot view to this little hard concrete floor, okay, where we stand on tonight or sit. Okay, that's where we're going to go. So I want us to talk about our neighbors. So we're going to think about three neighbors that every one of us have. Three neighbors that everybody has. And we're going to seek to develop a missional strategy. We're going to have questions that we're going to ask about how we are living uh, in those in those particular places or with those neighbors. So here are the three neighbors that we have. We'll talk about all three of them really quick, and then we'll look at them individually. Neighbors where we live, neighbors where we work or where we go to school, neighbors where we play. So we're going to think about where we live, where we work, where we play. Those are our, those are our three places. So once again, God's heart's for the whole world, but you live a particular life here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So we need to make sure that, yes, we are looking to him and we understand that it's bigger than us and it's bigger than our city, but also it is not less than us and it's not less than our city. So we're going to talk about it. All right, so here we go. Let's talk about neighbors where we live. And the question for all of these is, am I being a witness? Am I being a window? Am I being a minister of reconciliation in those places? Am I a reconciling presence in these, in these spaces with these neighbors? Where we live, what am I talking about? Well, I mean, we can develop it as much as you want to tonight. We can can say, you know, our actual home. You know, this could be when I, you know, we got people that live everywhere. So we got people from Texas and we got people from, you know, certainly Alabama. And we got people from all over the place. We got people from Brazil. Okay, We we got people from everywhere tonight. You know, when we talk about hometowns or when we talk about families, when brothers, sisters, people, like whatever it is. That is incorporated in this statement, where we live. But it's also your dorm room. It's also the apartment that you live in. It's also your physical neighbors. It's also, you know, maybe if we want to broaden it, the BCM or an organization that I'm a part of on campus or whatever it is. It's closely related. The people that I literally am living my life with or around or the people that I grew up with. Okay, that's kind of the the area that we're talking about now. So where we live. So for Colby, that is currently Catherine, Lucy, Annie, Hazel, Lewis. That is mama, daddy who live here. That is Catherine's mama and daddy. That is sister-in-law and brother-in-law and people that I am seeing on a regular basis that are coming through my home. Where I live involves them. It's also a couple of physical neighbors. It's also a neighbor across the street. I'm thinking about where I live, and I'm having to ask the question, in that space, am I being a witness? Am I being a window? Am I being a minister of reconciliation? I need you to ask that question for yourself. Sunday morning, the message that I'm doing, a lot of it has to do with this. It's about Jesus getting rejected at his hometown, okay? A lot of the message is going to be the hardest place sometimes to be encouraged in your faith or to make a difference in people's lives is at home. Sometimes that is the very place that is the most challenging. It's people that know you the best and they know you at your worst and it can be the hardest. Praise God, that is not, that is not the case at the Mache residence, Okay. But I did grow up here, and in my hometown, 
that was the case. It was, do you think you're better? You think you're better than me? I know what you did in 11th grade. I know what you did in 12th grade. I know what happened there. I know what, you know, I, I mean, it was those kind of things held over you. Like, you're really, you're not gonna be my friend anymore? You know, do you think you're so holy? We know who you are. Yeah, those kind of things. I mean, I get it. I mean, it can be really hard where you live to, to be a witness, a window, and a minister of reconciliation. But I'm telling you right now, that is your calling. Like, that, that's who you are. And so as you go into these places and as you seek to ask these questions, you know, how, not only am I being this, but also you're asking, you're saying, well, how, how can I better speak the gospel into the lives of those that I love? How can I be a bringer of good news? You know, how can I be somebody who, when they, when they're with me, they're looking into it. So it's like a window into the love and the mercy and the grace of God, not into bitterness, anger, frustration, you know, those kind of things. What am I leaving people with that are closest to me? Do they walk away, you know, down in the dumps? Do they, you know, do they, do they walk away frustrated when we talk about faith? You know, or do they know that they're loved? Do they know that we care for them? Am I loving them and caring for them as I am loved and cared for by Jesus Christ? So what about where we live? So that's the, that's the first question. You'll get to discuss that at your table in a few minutes. But there's also the question of this. What about the neighbors where we work or where we go to school? How many of you, raise your hand if you, if you work a job and you have a full class load? Just so I can kind of see. Okay. So basically half of you, that's the situation. So this applies to you in, in both of the areas. But the whole goal here is just for us to consider what our actual life is like, okay? Doesn't matter what the person next to you is. What about the neighbors where we work or go to school? So let's think of people that we, these are neighbors that we see on campus. These are neighbors that we interact with in the classroom, these are teachers that we interact in the classroom. This is, these are people that we get put in a study group or we get put in a project group with. You may be the person that does nothing or you may be the person that's forced to do, forced to do everything. I'm not sure what it is, but you know what it's like to be, you are put around, you are placed around people all the time. So you have a particular, I guess, season of life where there are literally people around you constantly that you have the ability to neighbor, okay? And as a college student, I feel like you have at least like 10 softball tosses at getting to know people. What's your major? Where are you from? You know, how's this class going? You, you have like literally softball tosses and usually opportunities to have conversations. So like, you know, my rule is you got a couple, you're a couple of conversations away from having a new friend. You're a couple of friends away from having the best friend group and community you've ever been involved in. Okay. So like your school is a place where that can happen. Work is for sure a place where that can happen. You know, that, that's where the older that you get and the, the more life experience you have, you'll find like the, the places that you actually are with people, that's your time to know people and get to know, you know, to have friends. You know, so for you, let's ask the question, the place where I work or go to school or both, you know, am I a witness there? 
And it doesn't mean that you're like preaching a three-point sermon, okay? Like I, I actually haven't listened to the message from a couple weeks ago, but Kyle talked to me about what he did. He gave you like a way to proclaim the gospel and, you know, and, and, and walk through how to, in a normal conversation, get to the truth of who, who Christ is and who we are in him. I'm just talking about like literally speaking good news, like, it's not just the call that you can be saved through Christ. Like, it's, it's, it is that, but it's bigger than that as well. Like, it involves, like, you know, like the Lord cares and can speak into, like, literally any area of our lives. Like, I think it's the, the most relevant conversation that we can have. And yet, for so many people, it's a conversation that you don't, you probably don't, you know, find yourself in very often. So, the neighbors that we work with or go to school, you know, am I a witness? Am I a window? Am I a minister of reconciliation? If I'm not, how can I start, you know, proactively leading conversations to this? How can I, you know, be a good enough friend to listen well enough to know how to be a witness into somebody's life? You know, can I open up my life enough that they can look in and see the work of the Lord through me? The last thing is this, neighbors where we play. This is, this is probably my favorite one to interact with. When I say play, I'm going to break this down through activities and entertainment. Okay, I know those are like similar, but when I say activities, I feel like, let's just see if I can connect with you in the group. This are, who all goes to a gym? Okay, I know like I'm asking you right now, you're like, I do. Oh, you know, can't you tell? You know, how, how many of you... I, you don't have to look like you go to the gym. I'm just saying, like, how many of you are like, you know, you're going to some form of workout? Like, you're, you know, Zumba, we're HIT training, yoga, whatever it is you're doing. Is anybody doing that? You know, act. You know, you're actively doing something with a group. I mean, that's that's kind of how this is. We've got activities that we're in. So it could be the rec center where you, you know, you have at least, especially this time of year, you're gonna have at least ten guys. A time that's got that shirt that they've cut where you can see the very bottom of their no, you know, you can see they don't have love handles, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, we're, we're always thankful for those guys, you know, like we're glad to see all of your apps. But, but you know, they're there, you know, activities that we have. Maybe you're into hiking, you know, what are you into? Like what, what kind of things are, what kind of things are we into? Like what, what are activities that you are involved in? Like on a regular basis, like you go and do, like your hobbies, what hobbies are you doing? Please tell me you have hobbies. What? Who? Oh, you cook. Boom. That's a good one. Do you, do you cook with people very often? Okay. Well, you should. There you go. Missional strategy. Missional strategy number one, cook with other people. Be a witness as you flip eggs or whatever. Okay. You know, that, that's the thing. What, what about, what about you guys? Like, what are some other things? we got people, somebody cooking? Band. band? Okay. Are you in the band at Bama? Nice. Okay. I didn't know if it was like a rock band, you know, like you have like, <laughs> you've got a garage band down the street. Okay. You're in the band. Yeah. Well, you get to spend a lot of time with a lot of people. So, so there, there's that. What, what other, what other hobbies? Days? Oh, sweet. I heard that earlier and I was like, yes, we know we're in days. Okay. Like we day. Okay. We got some Zumba. That's cool. Or whatever days. Well, do we have, is there, is there any yogis in the house? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, man. I love some yoga. Okay. It's so fun. 
Hey, I think, hey, friends that, do- that downward dog together, they stay together. Y'all take that what you will, okay? Don't take it, no- don't take it further than you should. Okay, what, what, what else? Any other, any other thing? <laughs> That's on you if you did, okay? It's not me. What, what else? What else you do? Any other hobbies? Rock climbing, boom, okay. Anybody, does anybody boulder? Okay, okay, we're getting too far. All right, anyway. So within those activities, there are typically ways that we can engage people. Okay, not in every one of them, but typically you can find activities that you enjoy doing that you can actually engage in conversation with people. I, I personally, for my life, the gym really has been the place where I have made I mean, more friends over the years outside of church, you know, and it's not, I mean, they're, they're not Christians. They don't go to church, but outside of our church. And so I actually get to know, know people that I, that I only see there. And so I think activities are a place, but also entertainment. And when I say entertainment, probably the number one way I'm going to engage in a conversation with you, especially at first, if I don't know you very well, or the way that I'm going to engage in conversation with people at the gym and those activities or somewhere else, is I try to find common entertainment that we enjoy. So, you know, are you reading a book right now? You know, earlier I saw, I saw the Ravenclaw sweatshirt. So we're going to talk about Harry Potter for a few minutes, you know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, are you into any shows? I ask people that oftentimes, you know, like what, what's on your Spotify playlist if you have Spotify, like whatever it is, and kind of engage in conversation based on common interests that we might have. You know, do you like Downton Abbey? Oh yeah, I did too 10 years ago. You know, that kind of thing. Like, like you, can, you can engage in conversation with, with other people through that. So in the areas that we play, that's actually one of the primary ways that we can connect with, with people, Okay. From that, are we being a witness? Are we a window? Are we a minister of reconciliation? So what I want us to do to, to end this conversation, I'm, I'm done, okay? And I'm going to now encourage you at your tables to engage in a conversation about these different neighbors that we all have. And so I personally, I think if you can be as honest as you can be and you can be as talkative as you can be, I think it would help to hear what your responses are. You know, for how would I describe the neighbors where I live, where I work or go to school or where I play? You know, the hobbies that I'm, you know, involved in. And, and maybe if like on the last one, you say, I'm not, I'm not involved in anything. I literally play games by myself. If that's you, I'm not slamming you. Good. Play that game. Dominate that thing. Get on, get online and talk to people while you're doing it. Whatever it is. But maybe you say, maybe you say, are there things that I do enjoy that I might could broaden my circle with? You know, are there hobbies that I, that I've wanted to try that maybe it would, it would give me an opportunity there. And so it's just an intentional strategy to actually connect and love our neighbors. So let me pray. And then after I do that, you guys just enjoy the conversation. I don't think there are actual questions on the page. We had talked about them at one point. I don't, I don't think we ever actually put them on there. There are no questions. It's, it's simple. Just deal with the neighbors. Just talk about them at your table and maybe consider dream up together, inspire one another, encourage each other on how to be a witness window and minister of reconciliation with those neighbors. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much 
for the time that we have had tonight. Thank you for each one that's here. Lord, they, they really are unique image bearers, ones that you have called out of darkness into your marvelous light. You're, they're people that you love and you care for. God, I pray that we would learn to live our lives and that we would uh, be such a presence in the world that we live in, the actual world that we live in, that we would be a witness to that love and grace that's coming to our life, that we would be a window that people could see it and we would be a minister of reconciliation in all of the areas that we get the joy of living in. God, we need your power to do this. We need your presence to do this. Lord, your gospel is the power. Um, your Holy Spirit is with us to give us the strength. And so God, I, I ask that you would just use this group to change the world, not just in a general sense, but the particular world that we actually live in. God, I pray that they would be inspired tonight and encouraged to develop in their lives intentionality in the places that they go every single day of their lives. Lord, thank you for them. I pray you would use this for their good and for the glory of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.